Loving Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace once more this afternoon now. We thank you for the word this morning. We pray for a few more crumbs this afternoon. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear ones, for this afternoon's meditation, I'm not going to make it too long, I hope. Um, let's turn with the Lord's help to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'd like to start reading from verse 8. <clears throat> First epistle of Peter chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one on another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let, no, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks, asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed and falsely, that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. I'd like to stop at verse 16. The Apostle Peter almost sounds like the Apostle Paul in this letter, in the passage that we have just read. It almost resembles Philippians chapter 2 when he talked about being at peace and love of the same mind, uh, compassion and so forth. Um, and why wouldn't he sound like Paul if they have the, Holy, the same Holy Spirit? And it's a very um, short bullet form uh, instruction to us today on how we are to, to conduct ourselves not only as Paul says to Timothy that we, he would know how he would conduct himself in the house of God, which is the pillar and the ground of truth, but also in amongst, especially amongst the unconverted, those that we work with, those that we go to school with, our neighbours, and what kind of an example we need to be. You know, we're only in this world for a very short time. We're only in this life for a short time. We only may be near our neighbours for a short time and we move on. And what kind of 
an impression or an example do we leave? When we do leave, do we leave an impression? When, when somebody's making a mould, he puts a, some kind of a device into clay or plaster of Paris and he makes an impression. And we make an impression too. When we interact with this world and how we are to... And, and what kind of a, a, a reflection are we of, of Jesus Christ when we leave our friends. This came really apparent to me in this past week. Uh, some of you know that I have um, been declared surplus at work. Some of you are probably cheering. Um, I, I was a little bit sad, but when I was taking um, when I was taken into the office, it was sort of a surprise because I was told that I'm a very important member of the team and. Uh, uh, there was rumours that people were going to get laid off, but people that were walking me home from the train station would say, yeah, we're, we're, we're thankful that we are important people here. We don't have to worry about our job. Words to that effect. I wasn't too concerned, but one morning the director taps me on the shoulder and he says, Doug, can I talk to you? I thought, oh, we're going to discuss this problem that came up from the Bruce Power generation, Generating Station. So he takes me into the office and I see the human resources head there and the, uh, the, the VP and other, uh-oh, this is not good. But I knew, I had sense, as soon as I saw that, I knew what was going on because our company had gone through a sale. And they very quickly told me, uh, Doug, we've got this letter of understanding. Uh, the company has decided to lay off 20 or declare surplus 21 staff and you happen to be one of them. I said, is it because of my performance? Absolutely not your performance. It all had to do with getting leaner, getting rid of the higher paid staff. I'm not boasting here, but that's what happened. And when I said to them, well, I've always wondered when the day was going to come, and, but I didn't realize it would be so soon. And they said, well, we'd like you to read that, and after you've read that, this and that, we'd like you to go home. I said, but we've got so much work to do. What do you want me to go home now for? Well, we just want you to go home. Because I wasn't supposed to go home. I, I had a week to go yet. And they said, we just need, I think you need time to think about this. I said, I don't have to think about it. And we'd like your section manager to escort you out. I said, why do I need her to escort me out? I'll walk out by myself. But that's the way we do it. I said, no, I'll walk out by myself. So I said, you know what? Um, I really feel I need to get this work done. And the VP said to me, Doug, you're a gentleman and a scholar. It's not that I'm trying to pat myself on the back. But perhaps some people walked out of that office upset. Why me? Um, but I took that opportunity because I know that perhaps I didn't take enough opportunities in the past and now my time is coming up. My last day was Friday. And I thought, 
What am I going to do? How am I going to take this window of opportunity? My co-workers knew that I was a Christian. Some knew that I was a pastor, thanks to Brother Eric. Uh, Eric often tells the people that we get involved with that, you know, Brother uh, Doug works there. He's a pastor in our church. And so they knew that, and it puts a lot of pressure on me. And also Brother Alan at the Bruce, the same thing. Oh, you know, Doug, yeah, he's a... So it puts a lot of pressure on how we are to conduct and behave ourselves. And I think if people on this earth know this, how much more does God? How we are to conduct ourselves, not only in the house of God, but in front of everyone. And I actually said that in a letter. I said, that puts a lot of pressure on me, Adam, because now you know who I am. I've got to be careful how I act, don't I? Not really. How are we at work? How are we at home? How are we at church? Are we any different? Do we, do we wear different masks? Do we wear different presentations of ourselves? Are we real? They, um, they asked me to have a lunch, just like they do for everyone. We're going to have a lunch for you, Doug. Last Friday, what restaurant would you like to go to? I was thinking about it. I was just at a lunch before that for um, the section success for that year and for somebody else's departure a couple of months before that. So I was thinking about it. I said, you know what? I said, can we have a lunch at our work? We'll call it lunch and learn, which we often do. It's a lunch and learn. We sit down. Someone comes in and presents some technical thing or go over a new procedure and they bring in pizza. This is why they attract people. So can we have a lunch and learn? I'd like to share with you where my real passion is. So I got together a whole lot of slides from our trips to Zambia, even a slide of our church. And I, and I showed them because my, my, my associate, the chief engineer, would always ask me, Doug, what do you do on a Sunday? Where do you always go when you go on these weekend trips when you can't do some of this work? And I tell him. I go to elders' meetings, conferences, camps. I go to baptisms and so forth. He says, Doug, I want to come to your church one day. He kept on promising me but didn't, never came. I hoped to bring him here one day. But. So I introduced the topic and I said, now, Sid is always asking me, where do I go? What do I do on the weekend? He wants to see who I really am. So here it is. And I showed him what I believed. I showed the people there was probably a dozen or more people there. Many of them were Indians, a couple of them Muslims. I think one white Caucasian, my section manager, and I presented them our missions in Zambia, our church in Western Road. And I said, this is where I am when I'm not here, at church, or if I go away, I'm on missions of some sort. And as I took them through the story of, of Kitwe and Harmony School and Life Songs for Orphans, I could see glassy eyes. I could see people getting choked up. 
And I wish perhaps I could have done, I did do this once earlier, probably six years ago, but I wish I would have spent more time in that, in that vein, but I had the opportunity, the platform to do it now. What am I saying here? I'm saying what Peter says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be always ready to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you with the meekness and with fear. It's not easy to talk to your Muslim friend or to your Hindu friend and tell them about the gospel. And Paul found ways to do so when he came to Mars Hill and he played on their, on their turf, so to speak, and he told them, these gods that you see, that you have, I notice there's one that is you have to the unknown God. I'm going to tell you about him, the unknown God, unknown to you. And in a very tactful way, he introduced the God, the creator of the universe. And you know what? They weren't repulsed. They weren't thinking that I was being preachy to them. They came and one of them said, said Doug, let me hug you. The young, up came the other girl too. Let me hug you. Not me. But because they saw perhaps that there is something far more important than an earthly job, than a career that people get so stuck into. Or am I looking for another job? I might be. But are we also looking for opportunities? Anywhere we are, anywhere we be found, to in some way introduce them to life's real purposes. And that is doing the will of God. And we will suffer. It is better if the will of God be done so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. And I, 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 I'm 60. And over my years, I think perhaps my fears were far greater than what really is reality. That people will not turn on you or they will not um, seek an argument with you. They're open to hear. I remember sitting in the car going to to um, Darlington with, with a, a Persian we, and with our sit for the first time. And I was openly telling them why I believe, what I believe, and, and they wanted to hear more. Are we too afraid to say something because we think we might be rejected? If you look around us, those that didn't fear that, that are the ones that really witnessed and brought people to church. I'm not saying it doesn't always happen to us. It does in different ways. We leave impressions in our neighborhoods with our friends. And they can come through different ways. I'm glad to see local Bible studies in people's homes. I'm glad to see when people are ministering, whether it be nursing homes or any... They can, they can have a time at that point in time to minister, to, to bring up the name of Christ. This name that the children sang this morning, that the name is so sweet. 
And how often do we utter the name of Jesus across our lips to others? Who is he that will harm you, Peter says, if you be followers of that which is good? Do we really believe that God is our protector, that God is on our side? As we sing in in one of our songs, God is on our side. Who is he that can harm you if we be followers of that which is good? For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I think it's a matter of whether we truly believe in our own selves that we have the best thing going, that we have the greatest God, All the other gods are false. But there are more ways to to be witnesses. And that is, as he starts off in chapter 3, verse 8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, the way the world will know that we are his followers, his children, to love one another. Not rendering evil for evil, don't return evil for evil as the world does it. We've got this Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount uh, principles coming out of Peter. or he's, He has been a good student. Not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing that ye are there unto call that ye should inherit a blessing. By blessing others, you will be blessed. A couple of them came to me afterwards and said, Doug, I didn't even know they were Christians when I first met them. And within two days, I found out one was a Christian. He said, I'm so, I'm so glad that you're doing so much for the kingdom of God. They don't, he doesn't know what I do. He just saw one thing. But when you know that, it makes an impression. There's another fellow there that I don't know if he even goes to church or, or, or knows about Christ. But he came unto me and he said, you know, almost secretly, Doug, I'm so thankful that you are doing what you're doing. But that's not, more, that's not all my life. I don't want to p- portray a false representation that this is what I do every day. But what it does do, it goads me to do more. It goads me, it prods me to do more. And the reason I bring this up is to goad, as the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, to provoke one another to love and good works. Provoking one another, pricking one another, encouraging one another, prodding one another to love and to good works. In our recent studies on holiness, we're doing the Bible lessons for camp, God willing. One thing that came loud and clear that I always knew, but came loud and clear as 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 I studied more and more on this very vital topic, Hebrews 12 says that we are to seek peace, pursue it, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And holiness is not just abstaining from evil. It's not the only thing that comprises holiness. But holiness is putting off the old man, the old nature, but putting on the new. 
in a couple of words that came to my mind time and time again as I studied it more and more was obedience. Holiness entails obedience to the word of God. And here's one, desire to please God. When we have the desire within us, this yearning to please God, no one has to push us. It's an attraction. It's a motivation by love for God. Galatians 5 all over again. Faith works by love. Love for God and love for our fellow man. So if we want to become holy people, we are holy people, but if we want to live holy lives, big difference. You read uh, Peter chapter 2, and he talks about we are a holy people, a chosen nation, a royal generation by being part of his kingdom. That's what we are. But in order to live holy lives, we've got to be obedient, and we've got a desire to do what is right because we love God. There are many people that are going to say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I've done this and I've done that. And the Lord is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Or you've stayed away from the big sins. But do you love the things that I love? Did you do it for the right motive? Did you do it for the right reason? Did you sing your songs because you wanted to praise me or you wanted to receive praise of men? There's a big difference. And so I would encourage every one of us, forgive me if I sounded boasting this afternoon, but I felt I needed to say that. And I pray that every one of us will not wait for the time to dissipate from us that we would say, I wish I had more time. I wish I did it in my younger years. As the man that wrote the song, must I go and empty-handed, must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? To hear the glory. I'm reminded of verse 5. As pilgrims they journey, their home is in heaven. Without any strength, they protect the whole earth. They share the true peace, though the world is war-riven. They are the most poor, yet they never have dearth. They stand here in sorrow, yet joy in yon morrow. They seem to have died to their weak outer senses, directing their life through the faith God dispenses. I remember my mother quoting that verse. I could never find it, but I just, now I've just perused over it as the brother mentioned this, this psalm. It's exactly what Paul says to the, to the Ephesians. He said that we are living in the heavenlies. We have been placed in heavenly places. Now our feet are anchored to the earth, but our home is in heaven. It's as if we were walking in heaven. 
Our mind is in heaven. Our heart is in heaven. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is our heart in heaven, minding the things and desiring the things of God. When we do that, it'll be so much easier to walk the Christian life and the walk that Christ had asked her to do, to follow him. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service and the members, please stay behind.